Growing up in uh, Iowa back in the 60s, you know, it was inevitable that a young kid like myself was going to be influenced by the sounds around them coming from television and radio and so forth. And so it just seemed to me uh, that uh, if you were going to be an American composer, that eventually that one would look back and try to compose music with them. When I was a kid, I had many of the Superman comics, and uh, I would read them. And I, you know, I really liked the colors. I liked the fonts. I liked the artwork. It was very interesting, and it's also very American. The comic book became a metaphor for color for me, and I, I really began to explore orchestration and how to write for the orchestra, thinking of different ways to deal with timbre, with space with placement of instruments on the stage, and it, it kind of gave me a freedom to do that. Hello, and welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and today we're exploring the vibrant Metropolis Symphony by American composer Michael Doherty, a work inspired by the Superman comic books. Doherty grew up the oldest of five brothers who were all professional musicians. Although he was a rock and roll drummer and played in many bands, he soon became captivated by classical music. The 60s was a very interesting time politically and musically as well. There were lots of integrations of different kinds of music going on, a lot of cutting-edge stuff, a lot of pushing the boundaries. There was rock and jazz in the air and uh, country music and all sorts of kinds of music and classical music, easy listening music and I was intrigued by all these kinds of musics, but then as I kept doing music and I, when I went to uh, the university, I began to hear orchestra music, contemporary music played by the orchestra, and I really fell in love with the sound. Doherty opens his Metropolis Symphony with a movement named after Superman's arch nemesis, Lex Luthor, the avowed enemy of humanity. The first movement, Lex, is about the villain of the Man of Steel. And what I decided to do was to focus on the violin, because if we think about the violin historically, it's frequently been portrayed as the devil's instrument, you know. So I thought, well, the violin could really be a villain. And then I decided to use the percussion section as four policemen. There's four percussion in the back who are centered uh, left to right and with uh, police whistles. And so you'll hear in this piece an extended cadenza for solo violin and four police whistles. And as far as I know, it's probably the only one that has been written and will ever be written for that.
just heard violinist Mary Catherine Van Osdale with the Nashville Symphony Orchestra under the direction of Giancarlo Guerrero performing Lex, the first movement in Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony. It's interesting to me that Doherty uses the violin to represent evil in this movement. Since antiquity, the violin has been used to conjure up images of the devil, and many composers have taken advantage of this. Probably the most famous example would be Niccolò Paganini, violinist and composer who would actually burn brimstone at his concerts in order to conjure up images of the devil. He was kind of the first Mick Jagger in that respect, the original rock star. Other examples of composers, Stravinsky in The Soldier's Tale, where the violin actually represents the devil. And another great example is uh, Mussorgsky in uh, his famous work, The Night on Bald Mountain. Doherty began composing the Metropolis Symphony in 1988 to mark the 50th anniversary of Superman's first appearance in Action Comics. He sat down to talk about how the work evolved. I was a young composer living in Oberlin, Ohio at the time. I was a professor at the Oberlin Conservatory. And uh, the Cleveland Chamber Orchestra asked me if I wanted to write a piece for them. And I said, great, you know. So then, uh, you know, the next thing is you you have to think, you know, what is it you want to do? So at that particular time, it was the 50th anniversary of the creation of the Superman comics in Cleveland. I went to the art museum there, and they actually had an art exhibit with artifacts of the Superman comics. They had many of the comics, you know, the covers from the very first one. They had them framed and presented just like it would be Egyptian art or or whatever in the museum. And I thought, you know, this is really interesting that now we're, you know, reaching a time where American art from pop culture, if you want to call it that, is now being historicized, you know. I was always a great fan of the comics, too. And when I was a kid, I had many of the Superman comics, and uh, I would read them. And I, you know, I really liked the colors. I liked the fonts. I liked the artwork. It was very interesting, and it's also very American, you know. And so I thought, you know, this would be an interesting idea. In the second movement of his Metropolis Symphony, Michael Doherty evokes the otherworldly landscape of Superman's home planet, Krypton. Krypton refers to the planet that the infant Superman lives on with his parents, and his father's a scientist who predicts the planet is going to be hit by an asteroid and explode. He talks to the consul of the planet who think he's crazy, you know, uh, how could this happen? So uh, he has to send his son in a um, spaceship to Earth right after the, the ship uh, leaves, the planet is hit by the asteroid and explodes. So what I did is, you know, it, it frequently in um, sci-fi movies of the 50s and 60s, when a planet explodes, you hear an explosion. Well, we all know that actually there is no sound in space. So what I decided to do was to use the tune Silent Night, which you're going to hear at the beginning. The uh, cellos play that, and then it moves to the trombones and so forth. So you're going to hear that tune Silent Night, depicting it after the planet explodes. It's completely silent. And also you're going to use hear lots of sirens and glisses in the strings and so forth going up and down. That came out of the fact that I'd written, I wrote a couple pieces for the Chrono String Quartet, and I really explored a lot of things with uh, strings and uh, really uh, explored the idea of using glisses. So you're going to hear a lot of that and the siren. You're also going to hear two percussion playing a rhythm, da-da-da, da-da-da. And that's SOS, SOS, like sending out a message, help.
Krypton, the second movement of Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony, performed for us by the Nashville Symphony Orchestra. I love the way he conjures up the planet Krypton. If I had to do it musically, I think I would do it much the same way. Um, the sirens representing the destruction, the, uh, the glisses in the strings that keep us so on edge all the way through the movement, and of course the microtonal tunings in the strings that conjure up that otherworldly landscape. 
We turn now to the third movement of the Metropolis Symphony, Mitzitz Pitalik. And if you don't know the comics, then you may not know who that is. Mitzitz Pitalik is an otherworldly imp from the fifth dimension. And uh, it was quite a challenge, I think, for the writers of the comics, now that they've created this hero who's basically, for all practical purposes, invincible. Who's he going to fight? How do we keep this interesting? And so um, to combat this problem, they turn to other dimensions and otherworldly beings. Well, Mitzitz Pitalik is the imp from the fifth dimension who comes to Metropolis and always causes trouble. The only way that Superman can get rid of Mitzitz Pitalik is he has to get him to say his name backwards, which I can't say. So I decided that two flutes would be a great way to express the mischievous side. And in the form of the piece, this is the scherzo. So the third movement is the scherzo of uh, Metropolis, and we're going to hear these uh, flutes, cascading flutes, playing scales up and down, so to speak. There is a slow section where the two flutes play this very melodic thing while the strings are moving in slow motion. Mitzitz Pitalik is casting a spell on the city of Metropolis, and everybody is moving in slow motion at that particular time. And then we come back to the uh, trills or the opening uh, fast motives, and uh, at the end, the flutes then play the motive backwards, and Superman then is getting Mitzitz Pitalik to say his name backwards, so to speak, and then you hear a whip, ends and Mitzitz Pitalik, poof, has gone back to the fifth dimension.
We just heard soloists Eric Gratton and Ann Richards playing with their colleagues in the Nashville Symphony Orchestra under the direction of Giancarlo Guerrero. The third movement of Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony, Mitzitz Pitalik. The flutes there actually representing the mischievous imp Mitzitz Pitalik. You're tuned to Relevant Tones, a radio series celebrating recently composed classical music. This program is made possible through the support of Chicago-based Access Contemporary Music, online at www.acmusic.org. If you like what you hear, please drop us a line and let us know at relevanttones, all one word, at acmusic.org. In mythology, the gods are often depicted as delighting in human affairs, often falling in love with mere mortals. Superman, for all of his infinite powers, is no different, and his love interest is Lois Lane. The fourth movement, O Lois, invokes the name of Lois Lane, who's the news reporter at the Daily Planet, alongside with Clark Kent, alias Superman. And uh, I marked the, uh, the tempo of this piece faster than a speeding bullet. You're going to hear an interesting polyrhythmic counterpoint between two percussionists, again placed in stereo, playing whips, large pieces of wood, and flexitones. As far as I know, one of the first uses of the flexitone was in Schoenberg's Five Pieces for Orchestra. But uh, the flexitone is not used a lot, but I decided to bring it back and use it a lot. And so we have these two percussionists playing uh, kind of comic book sounds like Liechtenstein or Andy Warhol, or better yet, like the old Batman television show of the 60s, whenever there'd be a fight, and, and then you'd see the words come up on the TV screen, crash, bam, boom. So in a way, the percussion section are the words of the comics.
Music performed as fast as a speeding bullet. O Lois, the fourth movement of Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony, performed for us by the Nashville Symphony Orchestra. This brings us to the finale of the Metropolis Symphony, the Red Cape Tango. The Red Cape Tango deals with an epic duel that Superman fought with Doomsday, a ruthless killing machine. As I was saying earlier, when you have a guy like Superman, you have to keep coming up with more and more fantastic creatures for him to battle, and uh, Doomsday was perhaps the most powerful. The final movement has to deal with the death of the Man of Steel. And in, in the early 90s, DC Comics decided to kill off Superman and really to recreate him. So in a sense, this piece, Metropolis, is really a homage to the old myth, really, and the, you know, the old comic books and the way of art. I mean, that's all changed now. In his death, he has a fight with a character called Doomsday. So I, I wanted to make it sort of like a dance of death. So I decided to use a tango, which is, you know, the dance of death. And then also to depict death, to use the tune Dies Irae. The Dies Irae melody sets the words Day of Wrath, Day of Judgment, and dates all the way back to the 13th century and became a regular part of the Requiem Mass around the 14th and 15th centuries. Hector Berlioz ignited the imaginations of romantic composers when he used it in his Symphony Fantastique. And it showed up in the music of Rachmaninoff, Saint-Saëns, Liszt, and many more. So we hear the Diazuri tune, the bassoon starts out playing that, and then it moves to other instruments, and it's kind of a duel to the death, and the conductor is like a matador in a bullfight with the red cape, so to speak. Of course, we all know, just like Spock and Star Trek, that he can't be killed. He has to come back, you know. So we know at the end that, of course, Superman will be brought back to life, and so the end of the piece is triumphant. And now to conclude Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony, here is Giancarlo Guerrero and the Nashville Symphony Orchestra with the Red Cape Tango.
We just heard the Red Cape Tango, the finale of Michael Doherty's Metropolis Symphony. Performed for us here on a new recording by the Nashville Symphony Orchestra under the direction of Giancarlo Guerrero on the Naxos label. This recording is currently up for five Grammy Awards, including Best Instrumental Soloist with an Orchestra, Best Orchestral Performance, Best Classical Album, Best Classical Contemporary Composition, and Best Engineered Classical Album. We have just enough time to listen to an ancillary movement that Doherty wrote for the Metropolis Symphony called Bizarro. Bizarro is a character who is basically Superman's polar opposite. It's performed for us here by David Zinman and the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. Just a short taste of another movement that Doherty appended to the Metropolis Symphony, Bizarro. Relevant Tones has been co-produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT in Chicago and me, Seth Bostead, Executive Director of Access Contemporary Music. Special thanks to Peggy Watson and Sean Nemisto at WUOM. Today's program is made possible with support from Chicago-based Access Contemporary Music online at acmusic.org. Steve Robinson is the Executive Producer. Again, I'm Seth Bostead, and thanks very much for listening.